Arkin in East London and welcome to Question Time. Good evening to you at home. Good evening to our audience here. We're going to put the questions to our panel who don't know them until they hear them from their lips. On the panel, Conservative former Deputy Prime Minister Michael Heseltine, who was Defence Secretary during the Cold War, Labour's Shadow Work and Pension Secretary Rachel Reeves, the Liberal Democrat Simon Hughes, who became a Justice Minister in December, the Times columnist David Aronovich, the former Kremlin advisor Alexander Nekrasov, and the Daily Mail columnist Amanda Patel. Thanks very much. Thank you very much indeed. Our first question is from Eddie McAnally, please. Is Russia too powerful, unpredictable and scary for Europe to deal with it in the way that it's dealt with other countries in the past? Is Russia too unpredictable, big and scary to be dealt with in the way that Europe has dealt with other countries? Michael Heseltine. You can't possibly underestimate the risks and dangers in the Ukraine in recent events. Uh, it's unpredictable. And if there's one thing that is necessary, it is to lower the temperature and to try and resolve this matter by dialogue. Um, I, I don't think anyone knows how it will be resolved. Uh, I, how can I, I'm not Ukrainian, I've never been there. How can I know how the thing will play out? But there is one thought that I would contribute to the answer to this question. I think that in the West, we need to reappraise our relationships with Russia. You see, if I look forward over the next 20, 30 years, the big problems, dangers I see for our part of the world, let's assume China were to become a belligerent world power. I don't think it will, but suppose it was. I would want Russia on our side. If you look at the southern borders of Russia, they are full of unstable, very ethnically divided countries, endless difficulties. And surely we ought to have a degree of humility with the idea that military intervention or something of that sort is going to solve anything. If you take uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, you take Libya, it's quite obvious that there are potential civil wars going on in those countries which our intervention has done nothing to solve. Russian intervention however illegal, however questionable, in Ukraine has actually created a position where bloodshed is not likely to flow within the country itself. And so I am frightened of the language which tries to push Russia ever more remote with bits of the Ukraine being attracted into the European Union, other bits of Ukraine wanting to join the uh, Russia itself, you saw the result of the Ukrainian parliament today. And the diplomacy, I think, for the West, for Europe particularly, is to reach out to Russia for some all-embracing, almost certainly economic settlement, which makes Russia feel secure. Never forget... Who, whose language, just, you, whose language never, are you objecting never, to? Never, well, I, I think that the, the, the reaction of the Americans today of sanctions of the sort that they've imposed now is presumptuous. And the British government? Uh, the British government is involved in European talks. But the last point I wanted to make about the Russians, never forget that 
it was Napoleon who came from France and Hitler who came from Germany. And every Russian knows that. David Aronovich. That would be a completely appropriate response if anybody had even remotely suggested invading Russia. Uh, nobody has. But let's just think about how the game's changed today. And remember before, as we do, that we stand guarantors under a 1994 agreement to the territorial integrity of Ukraine. And that means plus the Crimea. Today, the coup people who took over in the Crimea, when people stormed the parliament there, brought forward a referendum that was supposed to be that they themselves had said would be held on autonomy for Crimea on the 30th of March to the 16th of March, 10 days away from now. On the same day, two Ukrainian, Ukrainian uh, TV stations were closed down and two pro-Putin, pro-Kremlin TV stations opened up in their state. That's a description, and but the question is, is Russia too big and scary to be dealt with in the way that Europe deals with it? It, it certainly is far too big and scary to be dealt with in the way that Lord Heseltine was suggesting for this reason. The, 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 the leader of the, new, of the Crimean pro-Russian group said when he was asked what he expected to happen as a result of this referendum was 75% will vote yes. This is a de facto annexation of the territory of a, of a sovereign country with the agreement and with the connivance of Vladimir Putin and the Kremlin that we stand guarantor to the state having suggested that we would stop it somehow from happening. Now we can't solve this by invasion but we certainly sure as hell have a responsibility to the Ukrainians not to turn around and say well in some hundred years time we might need you against the Chinese so we're going to turn a blind eye to the fact that you've gone in and taken a big chunk of somebody else's country. Now actually I do have some thoughts about how it should be dealt with and Ed Miliband and uh, David Cameron have talked about some. We can talk about some okay. of them later. But the one thing that we're not going to be able to do is simply say, oh, Vladimir Putin, you know, well, you're a Russian. This is what we expect from Russians, and we don't care that much. We just want to let it happen. Alexander Macrasso. We can come back on what he's saying. Alexander Macrasso. Well, let's turn this question around. Can Russia trust the West? Mm. Now, when the Cold War uh, stopped, we Russians, uh, well, our government was assured by the West it's not going to push NATO border to the East. We were assured definitely. Look what happened afterwards. NATO started to spread closer and closer to Russia. And this was not a, a sort of a friendly intent. Why? If the Cold War was over, NATO wanted to be closer to Russia. We don't understand that. Secondly, we are missing the point here that it, uh, it was a coup in Kiev which was supported by the EU. And let's not close our eyes to that. Because EU politicians involved themselves in the so-called protests. They came over, they encouraged those protests. Now we know they were funded for, by the EU and the Americans. So to say that P President Putin suddenly decided to invade uh, Crimea for no reason. Alexander, are you saying that Europe organized those protests and Europe effectively led it's to the yes, it's of, the, of the corrupt yes, no, President on. Yanukovych? No, excuse me, excuse me. He was a, a democratically elected president and that was confirmed by the European Union observers and other observers, right? Of course. So to say that he was a corrupt I can name your several more countries. I'm, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you yes, come from one. Yes, and I can even say to you that President Hollande, President Hollande is less popular than Yanukovych was, but we're not saying, oh, come on, French people, take, get rid of him. The point here is this. When Ukraine 
refused to sign uh, an free association agreement with the EU, which was a bad agreement. Believe me, I read it. Any sane government would have said no to this agreement. The Russian deal was better. There was money on the table. <laughs> there was, excuse me, but there was money on the table because the Ukraine would not have survived with 800 million euros, which was promised by the EU, right? And suddenly, Yanukovych, in a, in a matter of days, became illegal, corrupt, and everything. Before the signing of that agreement, before it was still on the table, he was okay for European Union. He was okay. All right. We get the point. I, you said in a second row, we'll come back to the argument. Yes. Um, I, really, I really do think Alexander's got a point. Can Russia trust the West? Because the way, the way I sort of see it is, I know I ain't condone what Russia's done at all in this situation, but, but um, yeah, but, uh, where, where are the West getting this presumption we have the right to sanction Russia for breaching international law when we participated in so what do you an think illegal of the fact that we stand invasion of Iraq? Amanda Bouzard. Amanda Bouzard. You heard the point you made. How can Russia and trust the West? And I totally agree with you. I think that, that Tony Blair's legacy is that we have lost the moral authority um, to go into other countries. You look at the mess in Afghanistan, the mess in Iraq, and the last thing. I, think, I actually think David Cameron's judged this right. We do not want to see another British soldier, man or woman, woman, with their boots on foreign soils trying to sort out someone else's problems and coming up back with their legs. And, and, and if, I, if I just may answer, was it Eddie who, with the original question? You know, the thing that struck me about um, about this whole dilemma at the moment, we have just announced that our defence budget has been so cut that it's unlikely we could defend our own country. Germany's has been cut, France's has been cut, and America announced last week that they will now have, um, in their next plan, they'll have fewer troops than they had in pre-Second World War. How can we stand up to countries like Russia, who've increased their budgets, and they've just announced that they've got a long, one of these big missiles that can, you know, nuke us? You know, it's just, it's, it's like an ant biting on an alligator. So what should we do? Nothing. I think no, what David Cameron is doing is absolutely right. He's trying to, to negotiate his way out of it. He's trying to um, bring a, you know, a qualified um, conversation between Russia and Ukraine and the people there and not threaten them with violence okay. from Europe, which yeah. is the last thing they need. You said in the, in the centre there. Some very, very interesting points raised there. One, one concern I think that we, we need to establish even beyond this current crisis is that probably the two most damaging events of the last century were the two world wars. <coughs> and NATO's agreements itself cr create the same kind of crises that permitted the first world war. You know, the Serbs killed Franz Ferdinand, There's, there was all these cross agreements that enabled the first world war. And where we sit right now, the Ukraine was inches from signing an agreement where it became part of NATO and where we would therefore have been forced into a situation that would be extremely damaging. And I think we just need to... to, oh, to so, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's some extraordinary things